0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Welcome to the In Session Film Podcast.
0: Welcome to our episode 219 bonus content for May 2nd, 2017. And I'm J.D. Duran. And I'm Brendan Cassidy. And Katie, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> Zed is dead, and I'm still lost in Robert Pattinson's <laughs> eyes, baby. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, thanks for tuning in for our bonus content this week, everybody. If you listen to episode 219, you'll know that it was our original plan to talk about the Lost City of Z, the latest film from James Gray starring Robert Pattinson, but more so Charlie Hunnam, and we'll get to yeah. that here shortly. And, you know, it was kind of funny, Brendan, we were talking about this offline that the main show because we tossed this review to bonus content this week we ended the show at 93 minutes which was is absurd shortest... totally absurd, <laughs> totally, absurd. <laughs> totally absurd our shortest main show in in quite some yeah, time probably our... at least 100 episodes <laughs> yeah indeed and i'm sure a lot of people enjoyed that we Maybe could have fit this review onto that show and still got under two hours, but mm-hmm. we kind of anticipate this review going longer than 20 or 25 minutes, yeah. which would have put us over the two-hour mark, and yeah. I don't know if we needed to do that. So, so we're thinking about you guys out there, so <laughs> go figure. Ain't that right? Exactly. So I'm still excited to talk about this movie, though, Brendan. I know your thoughts vaguely, and- mm-hmm. Not to spoil anything right now, but they do differ with mine, vaguely. Yeah, <laughs> so. and,
1: and normally this is the case when it comes to movie reviews between you and I, J.D., is that when there is some disparity on certain things, we tend to talk longer. So that is exactly why we chose to nix this review from the main show and do this as bonus content as you've already said but the interesting thing is like you said we we ended the show at 93 minutes and we said the show was going kind of long and uh, towards the end of that so we're going to do this for bonus content and we really weren't going very long (laughs) so there's a lot of irony to that.
0: It, It is, it was really funny in hindsight listening to that show because yeah I mean for listeners that tune in every single week you'll know that we weren't going long necessarily for us our top 3 segment right. wasn't longer than it than it normally is but mm-hmm. you know it, it just it just felt appropriate to toss this to bonus content this week because I, I I do have a good feeling it would have gone over two hours and we didn't need to do that. We go long. No, as not, it again. Is. <laughs> not again. Not we, again. Yeah. We feel like we've
1: been doing fairly well when it's at least
0: just been yeah. the two of us. And for listeners out there that are in the Tim Costa camp on the length of our shows, we are trying. We are trying. <laughs> so hopefully 93 <laughs> minutes was a good time for you guys. Just don't, just don't
1: so. get too uh, hung up on that length, people, because then then, we, then, then it's going to feel like we have to be grandfathered <laughs> into that (laughs) new length which is kind of impossible
0: yeah probably not gonna happen all the time but we do aim for 90 minutes ish hour 45 so we'll do our best to keep it around there but yeah anyway on that note brendan i am ready to argue with you about the lost city of z so we're gonna take a quick break here and on the other side we'll get into it so stay with us we'll be right back you're listening to the Incession film podcast bonus content for episode 219 brendan we've been podcasting for over a week now why are you just presenting yourself now i want to see if you were up to the task sir
1: who are you what do you want
0: enemy coston i replied to your advert in the times i'll be your aid to come mr coston what did we do sir? say We've been at sea a week. Why are you just presenting yourself now? I wanted to make sure you were up to the task, sir. Are you drunk, Mr. Colston?
1: No. You could have fooled me. Well, well, I might have had a little.
0: I've got a, a little condition. You see, I'm better skilled at rifle and pistols. Medal for bravery. It's very impressive. You have a family? No, none a soul. I see. So nothing to shed. I take it you do then. All right, The Lost City of Z is directed by James Gray, and it stars Charlie Hunnam, Robert Pattinson, Sienna Miller, and a few others as well. If you're not familiar with The Lost City of Z, it's a true-life drama centering on British explorer Perciver Fawcett, who disappeared while searching for a mysterious city in the Amazon in the 1920s. Brennan, what did you think about The Lost City of Z? We have to talk about the elephant in the room first, JD, and that's the name James Gray.
1: Because if you remember back on oh some extra film long, long time ago, we yep. talked about a film called The Immigrant. Yep. Um and we had we had the great Michael Dennison on our show for that as well. And I think I ended up making a game out of my viewing of that film. I think I ended up like in- inserting all these soap opera names when we talked about that yep. for how melodramatic it was. Uh-huh. But n- needless to say, you and I are not the biggest fans of James Gray. Yeah. Uh, and we-, we look back on his filmography. We were not big on The in- on the uh, Immigrant. In fact, I was a lot lower on that film still compared to you. Uh, Two Lovers, I think, is good, but I think it's mostly anchored by a great performance by Joaquin Phoenix. And then mm-hmm. a film like We Own the Night, I think, is just kind of a mess. I I, I really haven't been on the James Gray train at this point. And then going into Lost City of Z because of it, I don't know if my expectations were low or if I tried to keep them neutral or just wasn't really excited for it because my reaction after the film and as the end credits were rolling was this. Okay, James Gray, now you have my full attention. And now I am there. And I think I can see where people may have been flocking towards his filmography before because for the first time his sense of style I think ultimately complements a film like The Lost City of Z and I was I was quite floored by this film to start off um the film was gorgeously shot as you would expect if you look at James Gray's past films the cinematography is outstanding so you know it's going to be great going into this we don't really have to spend much time talking about it but as I said James Gray's meandering sense of style which really was a turnoff for me in some of his past films really worked for me here in The Lost City of Z. And maybe perhaps that has a lot to do with the film's setting and the, loca- and the locale of it, which has this waft of smoke and fog, which adds to the film's sense of uncertainty and unclear passage of time. The film feels almost as if it's visually lost. And I think that kind of complemented uh, James Gray's style for once, to the point I almost feel like maybe he should stick to this style a bit more often than he has in the past. And unlike some of uh, Gray's films in the past as well, The Lost City of Z has uh, this thematic and narrative through line that feels ultimately consistent for once and also feels like it actually progresses and builds upon itself along with the film, which is why that passage of time and the fact that this takes place over those long stretches stretches of time really worked for me as well. So the film's drama will work for you depending on how well you can take to that through line. And it also comes down to the character or real-life figure of Percy Fawcett here, who kind of serves as the film's protagonist and antagonist at the same time. His desire to find this lost civilization has him constantly fighting his own selfishness and desire for cultural open-mindedness, and that battle feels like it grows as the film progresses as well, which is why the final act of the film is so powerful for me and why I found it so symbolic, and I have more I want to get to that later. And then the last thing I'll say, and I'll toss it to you, J.D., is I think a lot of it works because of Charlie Hunnam's performance for me, which may be one of my favorites that he's ever given, if not my favorite. I feel like he gives a very cerebral performance here, as if he were communicating to the audience without ever really speaking. I felt that internal struggle of Percy Fawcett, even as the character was never speaking. And the fact that I was able to sense that, I think, goes to Charlie Hunnam's performance more than anything else. I have to give him a lot of credit for that. And the aesthetic of this film as it tailors to that really gave me the sense of, this is probably why people love these classic movies back in the day, like Lawrence of Arabia, and why those films have stood the test of time so well. So with all that said, Lost City of Z actually ranks as one of my very favorite films so far this year.
0: Well, I'll start off my thoughts here by echoing what you are saying about James Gray. And I'm mostly in your camp when it comes to him as a director. I was not a fan of The Immigrant as well. I like Two Lovers enough. I do agree there are some issues with the film, but I overall really like that film and like Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix. But I agree with you on We Own the Night. I thought that was a very messy film. So going into this, movie i certainly had my reservations but it was getting some pretty good buzz and i was getting excited for the movie because of that but overall i will say those james gray isms that we've talked about on the show before are certainly felt here and i do think they are problematic that meandering style that you are talking Mm. about brendan while I can sympathize with what you're talking about, and in a lot of ways, I do agree that it does enhance this film's sense of lostness that you that you have throughout the film. I do think there mm-hmm. is a purpose there, but there's something about James Gray's direction and the way he paces and edits this film, the time jumps and the narrative gaps that stifle my overall engagement with the film. He would build momentum in some really riveting ways only to jarringly halt it in the next moment. It felt mm. like every scene was coming from a greatest hits collage from the source material and even mm. lines of dialogue as well. There are a ton of great scenes and moments of dialogue in this film that on their own are absolutely stellar Yeah, in a microcosm. I could look at each scene individually and go, that is Really wonderful. But for me, there's no cohesion or lucidity in the way that Gray interweaves those scenes and story threads. There's no connective tissue to bind one moment of Fawcett's life to another. For example, during the first expedition that he goes on, Fawcett finds this pot in the woods, which on its own is somewhat bizarre that he would automatically believe that this myth is real because he finds one individual pot. But that Mm. aside, he goes on this expedition. He has this experience. He comes back to England and all of a sudden he has this self-righteous moment where he starts barking at other individuals in this courtroom sequence. And again, while each scene on their own is great, the first expedition is really riveting stuff. I thought all of that was fantastic. And even the courtroom sequence itself has some interesting notions about expectations and the fact that British heritage isn't necessarily the be all end all. And we can certainly dive further into that. So each scene on its own is really great. But those two scenes back to back felt like it featured two different faucet characters from two different movies. There's, there's just no cohesion for me going from moment to moment. And that is my Mm. biggest problem of this movie. Otherwise, I agree with you wholeheartedly on a lot of what you're saying there about the thematic through line of this movie. That is certainly there, no doubt about it. The conflict of Fawcett, this obsession that he has, how that rubs up against his ideals of family is all riveting. The visual aesthetics of this film is fantastic. Charlie Hunnam's performance, I do agree with you, is pretty good. Now, I do have some reservations. I I don't think I'm quite as high on him as you are, but I do think overall yeah. he's really good. And the third act, there's this enlightenment that unfolds, and it is incredible. The third act of this film is perhaps the best filmmaking I have seen all year. Period. Hmm. It is it is wonderful in crystallizing the the Fawcett character and this back and forth conflict that he has throughout the entire film. There's a beautiful epiphany that happens there, yeah. uh, that I thought was really wonderful. So. In essence, what I'm saying here, Brennan, is that I don't disagree with you as much as it sounds like I may be at times. Mm -hmm. My only problem is how it's interweaved together. The editing of this film does not make sense to me at times. It's very jarring. And like I said, it halts the momentum. Outside of that, I'm actually with you in a lot of ways. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of interesting, J.D., that
1: it sounds like our disparity might not be quite as heavy as maybe we expected going in. Something tells me our final grades of this film might be more reflective of that disparity than our actual thoughts. And as you were there just, you know, relaying your opening thoughts on The Lost City of Z, I feel as though the biggest single thing that's going to be our main separator here actually comes down to Charlie Hunnam's performance, believe it or not. And I think that is where the film ultimately works for me versus the problems that you have with it. Because if I couldn't engage with the Percy Fawcett character in this film in the way that I did... Like you said, I would actually be in agreement with you on this film then. The the editing of this film, the way that it is paced would have sent would have seemed a lot more problematic for me, but the fact that Charlie Hunnam's performance is able to emulate both extremes of Percy Fawcett's own mentality, that war between himself in so in, in such a subtle but also very uh, exuberant way. I think is actually what holds the movie together for me, which is why I give a lot of credit to Charlie Hunton's performance as well, as well as the setting and and the aesthetic and how that actually does couple to James Gray's overall meandering direction here uh, and that passage of time that feels ultimately kind of lost. Uh, So while that all does assist with it, I would be more in your camp if I wasn't so engaged with Percy Fawcett as he's represented in this film, because that duality in his mentalities here, I think is ultimately the point. So the fact that it does feel a little bit jarring for for the first time in almost any movie I think I've seen, that. That sense of jarringness, I think, is actually what adds to the drama for me.
0: You know, see, and that's really interesting. And while I'm not as high on Hunnam as you are, I actually think it's less on Charlie Hunnam himself. And it really is more due to the editing and the meandering style of this film, because I agree mm. with you. In parts, he's brilliant in this movie. There's a level to his performance where it's almost like he's trying too hard in his posture and articulation, which perfectly mirrors the Fawcett character because he's a man desperately trying to achieve something that is beyond him, right? He's out of his league. So the fact that Charlie Hunnam is giving a performance that feels like he's out of his league actually perfectly emulates the Fawcett
1: character. Yeah, it's very metaphorical in that regard then too. And he's all about rank at the beginning of the film too. He's all about social status and, and and, and he's someone that's also denounced his own family history as it relates to social status. So you can definitely sense a lack of confidence in him too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I loved all of that, both in James Gray's direction and how he builds the character and in Hunnam's performance and how he unravels all of that. At the same time, as much as I appreciate that, there are moments where I found Hunnam's performance to be rather dull and I don't find him matching the same level of quality the rest of the film is working at. And again, for me, it could be Charlie Hunnam's performance, but I also want to point it back to the editing because again, for me, it's not the scenes themselves. It's not what he's necessarily doing as much Mm -hmm. as I feel like the way that James Gray edits this film, the time jumps, it halts momentum. So where I became engaged with Hunnam, where I became engaged with the Fawcett character, these moments of editing, this meandering style would halt that momentum for me, would halt that engagement. And it felt like Hunnam had to almost start over in a lot of ways to re-engage me with that character, which isn't yeah. necessarily fair to him, but that was the experience that I had. So it's really more to James Gray's direction, I think, be- other than Hunnam, because I do think sure. he's he's good here. But... The result of that approach in this film, regardless of who's at fault, it really did stifle my experience with the character, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's fair, because
1: looking at this film from a narrative angle it technically falls into a lot of the traps that you and I criticize a lot of biopics for these days. Especially exactly. you know, We look we look back at a film, for example, The Theory of Everything from a few years ago, which is a film that I guess we liked enough because it was anchored by two great lead performances, but it's a film that ultimately, ultimately confused the sense of progression with the sense of telling everything in history just because it felt like it has to. And The Lost City of Z kind of does that and if it wasn't for my relationship with the character of Percy Fawcett in this film, I would have criticized The Lost City of Z here for those same exact things. But because of my engagement with the character, the the way that scenes would change. For example, there's a there's a scene change from uh, from Percy Fawcett coming home and all of a sudden he's fighting in what I think is World War One. Yes. And it seems yeah. to come a- out of freaking nowhere. And Very much in so. any in, in yeah. any other film, I would absolutely criticize that. But for some reason, I still maintained a progression with that scene as it relates to the Fawcett character and what he was able to take from it and what he ultimately learns from it. So for almost the first time, I actually it's a praise for the film that it meandered in some ways, even though I think if the film were more focused, it probably would. I'm not saying it would have been better or worse. It just would have been a very different film than the one we got. But the one we got it still worked for me in that regard.
0: Yeah, and that is certainly fair. And again, I do agree with you that there is a progression. There is a conflict in the Fawcett character. And specifically, I love this, this conflict in him where he is obsessed in finding this lost city. And the film does a great job of supplanting why he becomes obsessed. There's a really great scene early on where He kills this deer, and they're at this dinner party, and he feels like he might be invited because he killed this deer. But there's a line somewhere in the middle of that scene where one of the upper-class generals says something to the effect of that he was born into the wrong lineage, meaning that he can't necessarily join the party. So it does supplant Fawcett's Fawcett's motives in some really great ways. He has a lot to prove. And then there's his family and his ideals when it comes to his family, and that rubs up against one another throughout this entire film, and it carries itself further into the the final act of this movie. My biggest Mm -hmm. problem with all of that, and this goes back to the meandering style of this film, and like you're saying, these, these tropes that you see in biopics all the time where we have to cover so much of a person's life that... Certain elements are thinly explored as a result, and we see that in this film, or at least that was my experience when it comes to Fawcett and some of that family conflict that we see near the end. As much as I love where Mm. it eventually goes, especially thematically, the major conflict between Fawcett and his older son specifically felt a little unearned. I didn't really know his mm. older son. There are certain supporting characters in this film that are essentially left by the wayside because a lot of the the film focuses on Fawcett and his inner turmoil, which again is rendered fantastically well in this film. But a side effect and a consequence of, of that is that supporting characters don't get enough screen time. So when they are finally injected into the film, some of that drama some of the weight that james gray is going for there uh felt a little false to me
1: yeah and i'm not terribly sure i felt that there jd i can in some ways i can sympathize with that especially if we compare our reactions to some past biopics uh that that do feel like they have to cover so much narrative ground that they forget their character focal points if you will uh and 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 if that's how you feel with a film like the lost city of z i could definitely see where you're coming from and i think the reason why it doesn't bother me here, in fact, why I think it ultimately works so well for me, kind of goes back to some of the same things I said about Charlie Hunnam here, is that I think the performances of the supporting cast here are overall very strong. And sometimes you can get a performance by an actor or an actress that the performance itself is so good in such a way that it almost feels like you are being given the past history of that character and that character's respective relationships uh, without ever being told what that is. And that's what I felt every time Tom Holland was on screen. When he was on screen and in his, in his disappointment he has for his father, which eventually leads to a sense of companionship that he wants to spend more time with his father, we were never told what led up to those moments. But I felt like yeah. I got that just because of what his performance was and what what he actually gave us. And I felt the same way about Sienna Miller and her performance here, which I also thought was very good here. And I think that's what brings me me around to it and why I'm able to come full circle with it in such a way. It really comes down to the performances, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think that is certainly fair. And I didn't necessarily have that issue with Sienna Miller's character, even though, her screen time is somewhat limited. I do think yeah, she's But there's more to, meat
1: to, to her character. At I, least I a agree. a lot more writing around it.
0: No, she's absolutely fantastic in that scene where she tries to argue why she should come on the second expedition with the mm, Percy great. character is so fantastic. I agree with you. And Tom Holland is great in his limited screen time as well. Don't get me wrong. It's not a knock against his performance. It really goes back to the script of this film. And again, that meandering style that is important in this film. I just mm-hmm. didn't know the Jack character in any way, shape or form. And I think Tom Holland does a great job of transcending. Uh, a lot of the ambiguity surrounding that character. But I do feel like the film is asking the audience to meet you halfway. And I don't know if that's earned with the, the storytelling that came before it, I'll just say. I mm. and I feel that actually with the Robert Pattinson character, as much as I have joked <laughs> about Panson and, and <laughs> yeah. loving him in this film, and subjectively, he may be my favorite part about the film, I he's think He's very Pattinson, charming here, yeah. And, and, he's and so I'll, charming. I'll, I'll agree with you on his character though
1: as far as how he fits into the story dramatically it's definitely less there but I felt like his his respective character uh is less important to Percy Fawcett's overall arc and his personal turmoil and his internal struggle I if I if I didn't feel Mm. that with Tom Holland's performance or Sienna Miller's performance I would have had a lot to complain about here JD Uh, but because I at least got it out of them I was really on board with it
0: Well, and the thing is, I think Robert Pattinson gives one of the best performances here. My biggest problem is the character is underdeveloped. And like you're saying, he doesn't have any impact on the film dramatically in any sort of way. And Tom Holland's Hmm. character is a big part of this film dramatically once it gets to the third act, but I don't find him any more developed than the Pattinson character. Mm. I don't know much about the Jack character at the end of this. The only reason that third act works for me is because of Charlie Hunnam's performance and the Fawcett character and what this film is getting at thematically in terms of these ideas of obsession versus family. And I find all of that fascinating and Holland's performance does a great job of carrying whatever the script and editing leaves behind. But in terms of actual development... You don't know that character in any way by the uh, end of this film.
1: I, I I don't know if I agree with that, and th- maybe this is where th- here's an example of why we we rightfully chose to put this on a bonus content, JD, because this is where I yeah. think we might start talking a bit more. Uh, because I felt like I got a lot of history with the Jack character by the time we're introduced to him and his explosion that he has on his father and his anger for how his father never spends time at home. I felt like I got a lo- I felt like I got this 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 history that he now is. F- that he is now being forced to basically be the man of the household, the family man, and the provider and the breadwinner in some ways. That it's almost limiting
0: his ability to be a yeah. to be a child. And and well, and and, th- and there's a lot there. And I felt like I got that. And for me, while I do agree with you, that is there, and and that is felt. But I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we have spent so much time with Percy, and he is aware that he's been away from his family. He is aware oh, that yeah. he has. Impacted them severely. He has forced Jack into that role of being the breadwinner for the family. But yeah. we don't get much of Jack's perspective in this film. It, oh, I think we uh, do. for me, I say I disagree. As much as I like mm. Tom Holland's performance, we get some. Don't get me wrong, but it's not enough for me to feel like I am fully engaged with that character on the same level as Percy. I mm-hmm. felt Percy's conflict. I felt his. Torment and where that eventually goes in the third act is so heartbreaking. It is. It is ultimately oh, it is. yeah so devastating. But I didn't necessarily feel it from Jack's perspective. I felt mm. like a lot of the film's progression of Jack in terms of forcing this idea that he has felt abandoned from his father, a lot of that is implied because we never spent any time with Jack through the first two hours of this movie. It's not until Mm. the final 15 minutes that he finally gets to spread his wings a little bit. And while Tom Holland does a great job, don't get me wrong, I don't know if it's enough for me to forgive the fact that I had spent almost zero time with that character through the first two hours and five minutes. And maybe
1: that's fair because it was enough for me. But then again, there are little moments leading up to that, even before Tom Holland is actually in the film, that progress their way towards that. There's one moment halfway through where Percy Fawcett returns home, I think, from his second expedition. And by this point, Jack is much older, and he's played by, I think, a different actor again. And the first thing he says to his father is, are you my father? He asks him that. Yeah. And he, it's almost as if he has no idea. And I think yeah. that there is where the start of their distancing kind of kind of develops for the audience. Yeah. That's where the audience is first able to pick up on that. But there's something yeah. that was so powerful about that scene and I, that and it just I agree. lingered. And, and, and maybe and, that lingering is what I was able to take with me when Tom Holland eventually does come into the film.
0: And and here's the thing about this. I agree with you wholeheartedly while I also disagree with you wholeheartedly. This is getting confusing. <laughs> <laughs> no, Because on its own, it's a devastating moment. But yeah. the reason I find it so heartbreaking is because the scene is shot from Percy's perspective. He comes home from this expedition and his son tells him, hey, I don't know who you are. And Charlie Hunnam's reaction to that is great. It is is so good. So from Percy's perspective, I agree it lingers wholeheartedly. It plays directly into that conflict that you see throughout the rest of the film, obsession versus family. But you don't get it from Jack's perspective. The next time that comes up is when Tom Holland enters the picture and it's all this time later where we've been away from Jack for a long, long, long time. So Mm -hmm. by the time we get back to it, from Jack's perspective, it doesn't. There's no dramatic weight there for me. I yeah, only it, feel it from Percy's perspective. Yeah, I, I felt the duality there,
1: and I, I I can't argue with you because one thing I will agree with something you said is as it relates to Jack here is you say you said that we get some of what of of what develops Jack's character, but we don't get a lot of it. I do agree with that. We don't get a lot of it. The argument is just whether it was enough to serve the story for myself or you. And for me, it was more than enough. And what it what it did do was create a great duality between Percy that I was able to find yeah. some strange compliment between them, which is why I was on board with it.
0: Well, I'll I'll say it at this and then we can move on. I think we can both agree that the third act is really amazing. Film oh making, no, it right? sucks. It totally sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very good. I yeah. think our disparity comes to perhaps some of the dramatic weight and how it, all it, of it comes that comes from unfolds. what's
1: in between the lines and what's connecting it.
0: Yeah, because for me, I feel like there would have been more potency to that final act as much as I love it, it could have been a little bit more of a gut punch if i knew jack i felt engaged with that character i knew his motives and all of that was fleshed out more and then we see what happens to jack as as well as percy Mm -hmm. that would have given the film a lot more weight than what we do get and Mm -hmm. in that regard I feel like if the film went in a different direction and instead of Jack being interweaved there at the end, if it was, let's say, Percy and the Robert Pattinson character of Henry, I actually may have been more engaged with that. As much as Ooh. I feel like Henry is an underdeveloped character, I at least had experienced two hours of Henry and Percy together. So that relationship had a foundation that I could grasp onto. And we do see that uh, in some scenes here and there. There's you know, the the river scene at the beginning, the World War I scene where Henry's also involved there with Percy. So yeah. I felt their connection. Um, and I feel like if he would have been a part of that final act, I would have, I, 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 I obviously this is speculation because this is not how the film unfolds. Yeah. And but, it's also
1: a true story. So we're not sure exactly what actually happened.
0: Yeah, e- exactly. So a lot of that is very ambiguous. I'm simply saying from a dramatic standpoint, the connection between Percy and Henry was fleshed out because we saw them for two hours where right. Percy and Jack, we didn't see them only for a few minutes, but there's weight to the final act because of the familial dynamic that's there. And that is yeah. very relatable to us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a very fair point. And I think by having that familial dynamic is why the film works thematically in the film's final act. And I think if it yeah. were any other character aside from Jack, the film's thematic through line would have been halted and it would have been cut I short. I agree. And, and, and so, so you're kind of, at least when it comes to your point of view, because the relationship between Percy and Jack, I felt, so I'm not, I'm not in agreement with you there, but I, it's interesting that you could still agree that even by taking Jack out, and maybe putting Henry there instead, while it might work better narratively and dramatically, the thematic nuances become stifled because it of does. It. So you're, you're you're kind of you're kind of at a roadblock. It's very there. twofold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. yeah. So I like where it goes. I I think James Gray made the right move again. Whether it's historically accurate or not is beside the point. What I'm talking right. about is dramatic and thematic stakes of this film. And while I would have appreciated the dramatic stakes more, as you're saying, if Henry was there, I love that it is between Percy and Jack. And before we round out this conversation, I do want to talk a little bit more about that final act. Now, we'll be vague here because we don't want to give away spoilers, but I'll just simply say that the father-son dynamic at play is heartbreaking and it's very uh, nuanced and and relatable to me in a lot of ways. And there's a flashback inserted that is perhaps one of the best biopic flashbacks I have ever seen. Yeah. Well, it gives the film a totally new purpose. Absolutely. In terms of James Gray's direction, the way he uses aesthetics, the way he establishes that final shot, the emotion that's on display, it is immaculate. Immaculate mm. filmmaking. The third act of this film, again, despite you know some of my dramatic criticisms, I honestly think it's fantastic, and I, I I wouldn't have changed a thing about it. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. And I think by inserting that flashback,
1: and this gets into something I really want to talk about, and perhaps I'll save it for final thoughts, but how that flashback gives the film a totally new identity. And it's an identity that also helps complement the film's thematic notions that have already been established. So it's a film that constantly progresses up upon itself very nicely. But the way that that flashback helps complement it in that regard
0: is, it's it really is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get to final thoughts and grades. We've talked about this quite a bit. So uh, any final thoughts on The Lost City of Z Brennan and what grade would you give it? Well let let me bounce
1: off that a little bit as far as where the film does go, uh thematically for me. Okay. And we, we use your wife's right, JD, we use that word quite a lot in this show and we're doing it a lot here.
0: We have to thematically.
1: <laughs> yeah, I but, but we have no choice. It, it helps relate to what we're actually feeling and how we and how we say those things. Uh so when it comes to where the film goes, because we, we've mentioned how Percy himself is someone that is constantly at war with himself. He is battling his own obsession and selfishness and how that interplays between his desire to do good by finding the civilization more specifically Mm -hmm. these notions of embracing cultural open-mindedness and being more open to different uh, different nations different behaviors and and the film is ultimately about that and you can tell that Percy Fawcett believes in both he just can't find a way to bring them both together and to find a way to simultaneously believe in both at the same time and part of that is how it affects his family in a very negative way by him going on the this, this expedition, but with his son again, in the film's final act is the way that he brings them both and He for bridges that circle. gap. So yeah. he, he does there, there, there's a lot of symbolism in just their expedition together. And I, that's which what is I what
0: makes it, that final shot of the movie or the final several shots of the film mm-hmm. breathtaking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Breathtaking.
1: I, I really agree with that so much. And that flashback sequence that you were also bringing up, as I mentioned in your thoughts, it, it kind of gives the film a totally new purpose, but one that complements everything that came before. Because then we learn that the ma- uh, the majority of Percy's motivations by this point was all about fatherhood. It all related back to fatherhood and that he ultimately had a mission as a father to help serve for his son. And I found that so poetic. And it doesn't distract from the thematic notions that have already come prior it helps not just enhance that but it's there's connective tissue to that and i think that's something that james gray does very well in creating and not just creating that through line but continuing to expand on it and basically add more steps to this really long stairway essentially and i found that really fascinating so that's that was really cool stuff there um as far as other final thoughts, I have. I also just want to, you know, reiterate some of the aesthetics of this film. When I when I saw this, and people kept calling a film like this something that recaptures the old Hollywood aesthetic, this is the film of James Gray's that I really felt that with. Some people said that with the immigrant, and I called bullshit on that there. Um, but when it comes to something like uh, the Lost City of Z, I can really sense the classic. Epic filmmaking that Hollywood was really known for it back in its heyday, but it's done in a very modern lens. There's a, raw, there's a raw grittiness here that I think helps give this film a timeless sense that still fits very well in today's day and age that I also really appreciated. So with all of that said, because I was able to maintain a connective tissue between all moments of this film, unlike you, J.D., this is going down as one of my favorite films of the year so far, and by the time we get to the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if this still holds strong in my top 20. I really liked it that much. I I really did. I think it is quite marvelous. I would give this an A. It is one of my favorites so far.
0: All right. Well, you know, the big difference between this film and some of his previous works is that I do think there is room for me to grow on this film because like I said there's a lot about this film that I do appreciate that third act especially is just masterful. Yeah. And I agree with you Brendan that this film in particular and it's somewhat ironic because James Gray is known for his, you know, intimate dramas in New York City which you would think would be more old Hollywood than this film but I right. feel like this film certainly emulates a lot of old Hollywood. There's a there's a mystical nature to the film's cinematography and its epic nature yeah. that I really enjoyed. I thought all of the terrors of the jungle were really visceral um, and, oh, and man. very, very felt. Can I,
1: co- can I comment on that quickly? Yeah. Because there's a great piece of trivia when it comes to the jungle portions of this film. In fact, James Gray wrote a letter or an email or something to Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, who want He wanted some advice about shooting in the jungle because Coppola had obviously directed Apocalypse Now. Did you know what Coppola's response was to it? Oh, I can only he imagine. Re- he, re- <laughs> he responded to James Gray in two words. It said, don't go. That's all
0: it said. <laughs> <laughs> well, James Gray obviously didn't listen because they actually did no. shoot this in the jungle. And there's yeah. even uh, some interesting interviews out there where you can hear Hunnam talk about it. And he actually had to be sent to the hospital for a terrible incident during filming. So, mm-hmm. uh, But yeah, I mean, and, and all of that is felt. The the fact that they're in the jungle, they're on location, I think that adds to the, the film's really gripping aesthetics. And I also love the way James, Cray, James Gray uses. Uh, I also love the way James Gray uses his camera in those sequences as well. It really enhances the tension and uh, the stakes of those sequences. It's really fantastic. And then on top of that, there's yeah. those ideas of cultural open mindedness that goes along with those scenes that couples very well with where the Faucet character goes and some of the arguments that he makes as well. And what I love about that is that the cultural open-mindedness of this film and how that plays with the Fawcett character, it doesn't overtake the main dramatic and thematic through lines of this movie. It's there. And I think it amplifies the character, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't undercut the the main beats of this film. So I certainly appreciate that yeah. as well. So like I was saying, Brennan, there's a lot to this film I really, really like. I don't disagree with you on a lot of this film. It really comes down to the editing of this film, that meandering style, and how some of that perhaps stifle progression of the supporting characters. We obviously argued mm. about how some of that falls out to you know, the, the, the final half of the film. But outside yeah. of that, I, I, I'm mostly with you, and I think that's why this film will grow on me over time. That said, if I never saw the first two acts of this film again, I wouldn't necessarily lose sleep over that, although I, I am curious <laughs> to, to re-watch this film at some point down the road. But I will say, if I never saw the third act of this film again, I would be so sad. I would be terribly disappointed. <laughs> I think the just thir- just just let that just let that formulate your grade. Be on my page for once, okay? <laughs> y- yeah, uh, well, I don't know if I could go that far, but if we were just grading the third act alone, A plus, absolutely, hands down. It's, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's it's so great, but unfortunately, I do have to count the first two acts of this film. Uh, last final thought I have on this before I give my grade. Christopher Spellman's score is hands down my favorite of the year so far. It is oh, it's beautiful. wonderful. It yeah. is so so gorgeous. I've listened to it at least twice all the way through. And there're like 20 some tracks in that score, but it's it's so wonderful. It it is absolutely mm. perfect. So I I just wanted to throw yeah. that out there as well. You know, initially Brennan I was sitting more around the B B minus range coming out of the theater, but I think sitting on it, having this discussion, I, I I really can't go any lower than a B plus. I think I would be doing it a disservice if I went any lower than that. It is a film I can Mm. definitely recommend. Obviously it's a, it's a film that I, I have some issues with mostly the editing as I've been talking about, but by the end of the year, I don't think it'll be in my top 20, but I do think it'll be one of those films that I come to appreciate more and more. So I sure hope so. Anyway, we will have a full review of this coming to our website soon. I will make Brendan write it, Um, so be on the lookout for that. (laughs) I got to get back to writing reviews, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) You do. We'll start with this one, and you can see that at com. Absolutely. And
1: if those of you listening, if you agree with either myself or if you agree with JD here on The Lost City of Z, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Film, or tweet us at Incession Film. You can also leave us a comment on our Google Plus page or email us directly at
0: incessionfilm at com. Well, that will do it for our bonus content this week. Brendan, before we get out of here, I just want to say that we normally don't have reviews that go this long we obviously try to time them out in a way that is conducive to our Mm -hmm. main show or even extra film you know we try to do it in a timely manner however this review coming in the form of bonus content it gave us a little bit more leeway to go longer and i must say i really enjoyed this experience i think i'm glad
1: we i'm glad we did this too and now looking at my time uh, on my audacity right now Thank God we didn't try and squeeze us in on the film. Oh, for sure. So we made (laughs) the right call. But sometimes, JD, uh, you know, we get. One of us has that one film that we are passionate about, and the other one just not quite so much. And it leads to. a a type of disagreement that we just need to have as far as, as a form of therapy in some ways. And I think we had that here. I
0: think if this comes up throughout the rest of the year, if there's a film that we know we should dive further into and and perhaps pick apart or argue about, maybe this will be the format going forward. So yeah, um, I I don't know, but I really enjoyed this kind of longer format review thing. So we'll, well, maybe we'll do it again at some point later on in the year. I I, I think we have a new segment discussion. Coming up, or at least a, a new bonus content yeah. segment. Yeah, absolutely. So, be on the lookout for that later this year. And hopefully, you all enjoyed this coming to the main RSS feed too. So, whether you subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever, I mean, this came directly to you. So. Um and leave us some feedback, comments, you know, we would love to 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 hear from you because this is really the first time we had done it in, in this kind of way. So mm-hmm. but on that note, go ahead and check out episode two nineteen. We discussed James Ponsult's The Circle and our top three Jonathan Demi films, and it was a lot of fun. So go and check yeah. that out. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys next time on the Incession Film.
1: Podcast.